Hi, welcome to today's episode of Financial Planning Explained. I'm your host, Mike Menninger, certified financial planner and owner and founder of Menninger & Associates Financial Planning. As we discuss every week, we have a, a, an educational program on one of the six areas of financial planning, and this week we're going to be discussing estate planning. And estate planning, as you may know, and as I've said in a prior episode, it covers a lot of different areas. And rather than just getting into um, all of the areas all at once, uh, we're breaking it up into pieces. And I have a special guest today, Courtney Dalloway from Flaster Greenberg. And Courtney, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Mike. Tell me a little bit about yourself and your firm, please. Absolutely. My name is Courtney Dalloway, and I am a partner at Flaster Greenberg, which is a full-service law firm. Uh, we have offices uh, in Pennsylvania, in New Jersey, and Florida. And I am in the trusts and estates department, which means I do wills, trusts, estate administration, business succession planning, and some corporate law. And I'm licensed in New Jersey and Pennsylvania. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Well, that, that's good. Well, welcome here. Thank you. Everything's going to be good. So I, I'd like to tell um, we talked a little bit two episodes two weeks ago uh, about estate administration. A lot of the estate planning, I know full well, it, it, they overlap with each other. But I want to talk a little bit more today about trusts. And I love trusts. Now, when I first learned about estate planning, the fear was trusts were this thing out there. But once I've learned about them, they're the biggest friend you can possibly have. So tell me a little bit about trusts. So I want to start and just say that um, there is a lot of people come to me and don't really understand trusts. And at a basic level, a trust is an entity that is created by a person who we'll call a grantor or a settler. And they um, fund this, this trust either currently or in the future. And they appoint someone called a trustee and that trustee holds those assets for the, for the benefit of a beneficiary or beneficiaries. So um, just to take kind of the, uh, the wonder out of what a trust is. And a trust usually has a trust document assigned to it. It doesn't have to. But that trust document um, will talk about uh, how the trustee can distribute those assets to those beneficiaries. Right. And a trust can be... Um, they really fall under two categories. They're either revocable, which means that the grantor can amend and change them at any time, or they're irrevocable, which means that they're pretty much set can. and can't be changed, <laughs> with some exceptions, but yes. I always like to say the difference between a revocable trust and an irrevocable trust is irrevocable is irrevocable. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So I, from a simplistic perspective, and I refer to trusts all the time, and I joke about it, is that um, it's my way of controlling my kids after I die. <laughs> anyway, so establishing the trust gives me, which is the grantor, Some the control. ability to control the distribution throughout the lifetime of the monies long after me, as opposed to if I give somebody the money from a will, it's theirs and they can do whatever they gone. want. And it's gone, yes. Exactly. Absolutely. So you do maintain, as the grantor, a level of control over those assets and also a level of protection. So by placing money in a trust for a beneficiary, um, it's protected from creditors. It's protected from that beneficiary's divorcing spouses. And I have a lot of people that come to me and say, oh, you know, my 10-year-old, my 18-year-old, that's not going to be a problem for them. But f frankly, we don't know what the future holds. So it is 
those kind of trusts are very beneficial for for the unknown. Right, mm -hmm. exactly. And so the what I did for my kids, and I'm not afraid to share it, is I took the assets and placed them in a trust, and that would be the proceeds of an insurance policies, mm -hmm. and the house and all that gets placed in the trust so that it protects them from themselves. Mm -hmm. And I have it sent one-third at 25, one-third at age 30, and one-third at age 35, because like you said, it protects them from creditors so that if, God forbid, they come home from a bar and they take someone out, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I use that, it's a horrible example, but it's, it happens. It, it protects. It, it happens. As long as those assets remain in that trust, they're protected. Right, and same goes with divorce. Yes, absolutely. Same goes with, uh, with divorce. And with 40% or so of people getting divorced nowadays, it's, uh, it's something that's... I thought it was I higher know, than that. It might like, be, I'm being optimistic, but uh, it's something that is a real scenario that could potentially happen. Since when is 40% optimistic? <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty sad if you really think about it from a general perspective. Yeah. So there are other uses of trusts. Can Correct. you give me some ideas? Absolutely. So it's not only about control, and that's why when you get your estate plan done, it's so important to be speaking to an experienced estate planning attorney because we look at people's um, jurisdiction, you know, where they live, their the amount of their assets, and also um, their different facts and circumstances to see if certain um, trusts make sense because if you do something on like a legal zoom then you're just going to be kind of rolling the dice so that's why I always say it's it's important to have it done right but things that come up when we consider different types of trusts um, for example if you have a special needs child uh, we do special needs trusts and that way they can inherit the money and not lose their their public benefits or um, people that have out-of-state property. So if you live in Pennsylvania, but you have a shore home or maybe a house in Florida, that's a great time to consider a trust so that when you die, you don't have to worry about probating in multiple states. Right, I've heard that. Yes. Um, there are, you know, any kind of, uh, if you're worried about, uh, you know, a child with their, their use of money, as we talked about, control. So there are um, a lot of different trusts if you want to gift to your children or grandchildren during your lifetime so that uh, you can, uh, there's some tax advantages there. But there's a lot of different opportunities and that's one of the reasons that we, uh, we sit down and really explore your facts and circumstances to make sure that we are proposing the best plan for you. I think trusts have so many uses. And one of the things that um, I, I've, people are afraid to put their money into a trust feeling as though it's a one-way street. But that's where using a revocable trust enables them to put the money in and pull the money out yes. at any time. But what are the real advantages? I know the one that you had just said, putting a property that's in a different state in a revocable trust mm -hmm. enables you to bypass probate. But let's say I don't have a property outside the state. What are the real advantages? I have a hard time seeing the advantages of putting my assets into a, a revocable trust. Tell me what the advantages are. Well, I want to just start with saying, in the negative side, people come to us about revocable trusts, and it's not a tax planning um, vehicle like they're right. It does trust. nothing for them. Right. So when it comes to uh, 
with revocable trusts, I'll just say that there are certain jurisdictions where it is the standard, like up in New York, um, because they have such an extensive probate up there that uh, people put all of their assets into a revocable trust to avoid that probate. So what that means is that um, if you die and all of your assets are in this trust, you don't have to end up having to go through certain amounts of the extensive probate process. But in a place like Pennsylvania or New Jersey, um, probate isn't necessarily that difficult. So, But we use revocable trusts um, for numerous reasons. Uh, for one reason is the document is, is private. It is a will supplement, which means that um, it takes the place of the will in the respect of what you want to happen to your assets when you die. But, um, but it's, not, it's not filed with the court. So what you want is private. So that's a benefit. So are you telling me that if I die, the court, it's public knowledge, everything that I own? Um, it's your will is public, so it's filed in the courthouse. So I can go down if you were to pass away yesterday. I would say yesterday, you know, so I don't curse him. Uh, if you were to well, pass thankfully, away, thankfully, because I'm here today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so if you were to uh, pass yesterday, I could go to the courthouse and look up your will and see what it says. So for certain people, um, that's important. Uh, another benefit is that uh, if you were to place all of your assets or some of your assets into this revocable trust. Um, you do maintain full control over it, which right. means that it's just another way of titling. So basically, you can use these assets as, as if it wasn't in a trust. However, there's a successor trustee. So if you were to become incapacitated during your lifetime, that trustee is right there able to access those assets. So it cuts out that middleman if you become incapacitated and you have a bank account that your power of attorney would have to go and right. get it. So you have that immediate access. And also, probate sometimes takes at a minimum of 12 to 15 months before really? beneficiaries can get those assets. So again, a trust allows instant access to those assets yes. to help those beneficiaries. In certain cases, that can be very important because the beneficiaries may be relying on those assets. Um, and also, if you're a business owner, again, another great opportunity with revocable trust because um, your trustee can, um, you know, be running that business during those first couple months after your, okay. that person's death. So okay. those are just some of the advantages. I could see that. So going back to this privacy thing, because <laughs> you, you threw this, uh, if, so like when I die, they can stake anybody, it's pub my will is public knowledge, yes. but what about my assets? Are my assets public knowledge? No, it's only that's uh, the will is actually filed in the court, and that's what they can go see. However, a lot of people specifically reference assets in their will. So if okay. you're going to leave, you know, your house in Harleysville to to your daughter, they're going to know about that house. Right. Um, so some people have more specific details in their wills than others, but we still have to do. Even in those estates that we do revocable trust, we still have to do a basic will called a pour-over will. Because most people, the best intentions, uh, usually most assets get put into a revocable trust, but you end up having a bank account or something sure. that doesn't, and you have to probate. So we make sure that all of those assets flow into your revocable trust, even if you don't fund it during your lifetime. So what happens now? Um, in, in a previous episode, we were talking about estate administration, mm -hmm. where when you file probate, then it enables creditors to come after you. But if all of my assets are in a revocable trust, but I have this giant credit card, 
and I have no assets to go after. Does that mean the credit card company can't go after my estate? They're going to, uh, if you have assets, that any asset that is in your name at your death will be... Sure, but that. what about that which is in the trust? It's still not a irrevocable trust, so right. it's not protected from creditors. So you have oh, removed irrevocable. it. Oh, it's not. It's, it becomes irrevocable at your death, right. but it's anything that is in your estate at your death, and that would still count. Oh, okay, so, so they can penetrate it. So creditors okay. can come after those assets, but they couldn't come after um, if you have an asset owned, uh, depending on state law, but locally we have uh, this benefit that if you have all your assets in joint name, um, a lot of times creditors can't go after those assets because unless that your spouse has guaranteed those, uh, those debts as well. So they can't, so if I have a $10,000 bank account and it goes, so they, they can't grab that 5,000? They can't grab my half if I died and I'm married and I have a $10,000 joint bank account. You're saying that a creditor can't go after my five? It's, it's, it's the, it's, the creditor can uh, go after any assets that are not in your name only. Really? So that might be, I hate to say it's a sneaky kind of thing, but make sure that if someone's dying, get all their assets <laughs> in joint and let the credit card Credit card, they might, they, they may still, you're going to get hounded. You're, their credit card companies are going to do whatever is in their power to sure. to collect against it. But there are ways of, of titling of assets and also who is guaranteed certain debts to, uh, if you have a debt in your name and assets that are not in your name, that could be protected. We may be experiencing, I was going to save this for the end and kind of throw the big bomb at you. Mm -hmm. Why wait? What do you think is going to happen uh, to the estate tax exemption? The estate tax exemption today is about $11.5 million. So if you have a married couple, they could have $23 million and effectively not pay estate taxes if they do their estate plan correctly. Mm. Well, what do you do if you say, well, gee, I'm not $23 million. What do you anticipate? the level that come down to. Do you think it's going to come down and what do you think it's going to come down to? Well, first of all, um, most people with this $11.6 million exemption per person and you can have two spouses, so you have like uh, Mike 23, said, right. 23, 24 million uh, passing without the federal estate tax uh, applying. Most people are are not well in under that. that. Yeah, That's exactly. Correct. However, um, with, uh, with without being political, with the Democrats taking uh, control of the presidency, the Senate, and the House, we are absolutely expecting that to decrease. It was set to sunset um, in a couple years uh, in, at the end of 2025, but um, it looks like it's going to be uh, reduced. We've heard that it will potentially drop back to um, 5 million indexed for inflation, so it'll be about 6 per person. Okay. Um, but we've also heard the potential of 3 or 3.5 three per person. Really? Which all of a sudden is they're still high, but um, not stratospheric like uh, like it is currently. Well, yeah. Um, but I wish that I had a magic ball, uh, you know, that could tell me uh, what it's going to be. You don't have that crystal ball? I don't. Oh. Uh, that could uh, tell me what it's going to be and when. Is it going to be retroactive to the beginning of January? Probably not, but I mean, it, there it's it's kind of uncertain times and a little bit scary, which uh, is one of the reasons that uh, we have a lot of our clients coming in and doing planning to try to take advantage Absolutely. of Absolutely. Because we know that um, 
it's a, it's a high number, but say you have a couple that has $8 million total. They know that if they use that exemption, even if they reduce it one day back to a million dollars a person, we'll use something crazy, um, we know that that will be removed from their estate and protected. So we are doing a lot of if gifting. If they gifted it already. If they gift Correct. it during their lifetime. So uh, we know that there is um, opportunities for tax planning, uh, with gifting uh, to to protect, you know, clients. Well, we did some of that, but I know the concern that a lot of people have is I don't want to gift my assets, and it has to be an irrevocable trust in order to accomplish that. Yes. But, again, irrevocable means once I put it in there, I can't get it back. Are there any solutions to that? There um there are, uh, there's, uh, it's definitely advanced uh, estate planning, and we, uh, we do, uh, one of my favorite techniques is something called a SLAT, which is a uh, trust set up by spouse one for their, uh, for their, for their spouse, spouse two. And uh, the benefit of that is that uh, you gift into, the spouse one gifts into this, this trust, and it uses their exemption or a portion of their exemption, and the spouse is the beneficiary, the other spouse. And that spouse can use that money. So if during their lifetime. During their lifetime. So in theory, if you have. If they need it. <laughs> so I'm going to use someone who's an in-between number. Mm -hmm. They don't have 23 million. Sure. So they're good, but they're above 10. So let's say you have 15 million dollars. So what you're suggesting is that. One spouse put $7.5 million into the trust, the slat, for the other spouse, and then they put half for the, And so now we've got all $15 million gifted under the old rules, and Actually, they can use it? Yes, they can use it, um, and there's uh, certain things that you have to, to worry about um, to make sure that the IRS isn't going to challenge it. But actually, better than doing seven and a half each, I would say that one spouse should use the entirety of their exemption. They should use the 11.6 right. and gift to the other spouse instead of doing 50-50 because that way you're maximizing um, at least one of them at least one of them right whereas like for example if both spouses put in five and then it drops in back down to five then you haven't really gotten any benefit right so. okay I can see that I mm -hmm. can see that but again I think people's biggest fear is putting all their money away and not being able to have access to it absolutely it's a control thing people come to me all the time and say I'm looking for a trust where I can put my own money in and it can be protected from creditors and my, my spouse if we get divorced, but also I'm going to have full control. I don't have to ask anyone's permission to take money out. Is that the unicorn trust? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I mean, there are some, uh, there are some uh, jurisdictions like Delaware and Nevada that we use for trust where you can get pretty close. But really? there's always, there's always... If, if we could, I'd tell people, if I could, if I could make this trust so that you had full control and it was out of your estate and creditors couldn't touch it, but you could take the money at any time, I'm like, every person in this country would have that. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. But you know, you try to do everything you can for your clients and that's, Absolutely. you know, so again, I can't underestimate, uh, just under... Express. <laughs> yes, exactly. The value of trusts. They're just such a, a, a great tool that can be used. And another use of trusts is for when you have second marriages. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. So 
tell me more about that. So I, I guess I'll, I'll lead it into you. Said person, reasonably wealthy, has children of their own and marries a second spouse. And we've heard the horror stories. Sure. Said this is spouse, the Brady Bunch scenario. Yeah, the Brady Bunch yes, scenario. I talk and about Michael the Brady, Brady Bunch is loaded. <laughs> So the issue with the Brady Bunch scenario uh, for second and third marriages, and we run into this a lot, is you know we have a couple come in and they do your typical I love you will, which is mirror wills where they just say everything to my spouse and then we're going to split everything amongst our five kids, six kids, what have you. And uh, you know, unfortunately, uh, you know, one of the spouses passes away and this has happened on a couple times where the surviving spouse comes in a couple years later and is like, you know, his kids aren't in my life anymore. We're, I'm just going to cut them out. And that's upsetting even to me because <laughs> I can see that scenario happening where you're, right. you know, the kids usually, if they're, this is obviously not when we're talking about little kids, you know, they come yeah, in and adult, adult children. children and these relationships can be very sticky. Sometimes it's fantastic, but we have the ability what uh, a spouse can do or both spouses can do is they can put their money into a trust for their surviving spouse, but, and it can be very broad, the distribution standard or, or more conservative, but at the death of the surviving spouse, those assets would go as the um, original deceased spouse intended. So basically right. if, um, I usually kill off the husband first because, well. Hey, that's not uh, fair. <laughs> so if if uh, if a husband dies, he can have his money go to his uh, his his new wife or his uh, long-term wife, but uh, he can go to the the money can go to the wife in trust. Uh, a trustee can watch over those assets. If the the wife needs those assets, she can have access to them, and then at uh, he can rest easy knowing that at her death. Um, either his kids will get that money, or if they agree differently, the, the six kids will all take. So it's it's a flexible document that makes sure that we don't have those scenarios of where course. kids are disinherited and um, well, not it's my not even situation. that. I've even heard of stories where the surviving spouse remarries and dies, and none of the six Brady, <laughs> but so Carol Brady marries another guy. Carol dies. And they leave all six children out. Yeah, and that's always that's always a worry. Thankfully, I've seen that scenario less, but that's absolutely a possibility. And if if they don't have a will uh, under state law, that that new spouse would be protected as well to get some of that money. So there's it's definitely uh, with trusts you maintain some control, um, you maintain some protection of your assets. And uh, there's different benefits uh, that we've talked about, like avoidance of probate with certain trusts and. Um, so it's, it's, uh, depending on the situation, a trust is a fantastic tool and that's, but we also don't push it. That's why we like to meet with people and review their assets and circumstances and see if it's appropriate for them. You have to have had at least one good war story in your experience. Have you had a good war story of like, basically we're wrapping up here and I want to be able to have you tell the viewers a common pitfall that happens that people don't think of that could be solved by a trust? Um, we had, uh, a long time ago, um, we had a, a client that had, uh, I think, 12 kids. 
and which is obviously a huge family. Um, and uh, one of the children was uh, put as uh, a joint bank holder on an account. Instead of, this was also his power of attorney, but uh, instead of lift, listing herself on the document as power of attorney, she became jointly owning that account. Just and, the one account or all of the well, accounts? Well, that was all the majority of, of the okay, estate. Okay. So this, this couple million dollar estate, oh, okay. most of it was in uh, this bank account. And uh, you know, if, 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 there was, if there was a trust involved, she could have been the trustee and been using these right. assets, but because she was joint on this account, she got it all. She got it all at his at his death instead of the estate getting split, you know, one twelfth, which was how the will stated and how that person had intended his estate to be distributed. So this huge estate and uh, all the kids walked away with like twenty grand except for her. Oh. You know. So it was that's Well she wasn't having Thanksgiving dinner with the other eleven <laughs> children. That's oh, for sure. Oh, there was a lot of litigation over it. Oh, I so, can imagine. so that's another great thing about trusts is, is hopefully avoiding Hurt feelings and litigation. Yeah, you don't want that. <laughs> no. You don't want that. So, and I so forgot I tell what people, I was gonna... we, we sell peace of mind so people can, we really, as attorneys uh, in estate planning, there's rarely, there are, but there's rarely winners and losers. Our job is to help people um, accomplish their, their goals. So. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, thank Rewarding. you very much. <laughs> this is, this has been great. There was another question I wanted to ask you, but here I go again. I can't remember from one moment <laughs> to the next. So, but I thank you very much for coming. I know you're very knowledgeable in a lot of different areas about this. What I'd like you to do, if you could take a moment, look into the camera, tell them how, tell the viewers how they can get a hold of you and your firm Absolutely. Go from there. Thank you again for having me. Oh, you're welcome. So again, my name is Courtney Dalloway, and uh, I can be reached at 215-279-9377. Uh, <laughs> I forgot my phone number for a second. Again, 215-279-9377. Uh, you can also reach me at uh, Courtney, that's C-O-U-R-T-N-E-Y, dot Dalloway, D-O-L-A-W-A-Y, at flastergreenberg.com. And you can always check uh, out my website, my firm's website at flastergreenberg.com. And uh, there you can see my bio and uh, some of the other fields that other attorneys in my firm practice. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. So again, uh, estate planning is one of the more important, like I keep saying, they're all, they're all important, but estate planning is very important. You want to make sure that your assets are distributed to who you want them to go to and not who the government says they're going to go to. And the first step is a will. However, trusts really play an important role because what trusts can do is either a revocable trust while you're living to help create ways of being able to distribute them and avoid probate, but more importantly, the irrevocable trusts that are established for after you pass away that enable the assets to be distributed in a controlled manner the way you want and to avoid them going where you don't want them to do to go and also provides a level of creditor protection and again allowing the assets to go where you wanted them to really go as opposed to just being hand it off. So thank you very much for joining our episode this week, and we look forward to seeing you again. It's Financial Planning Explained, and I am your host, Mike Menninger, Certified Financial Planner, owner and founder of Menninger & Associates Financial Planning, and I look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you again, Courtney. Thank you.